Good morning, Seattle. Good morning to Cedro Woolley, Washington. I believe that's the city technically in which I was born. Good morning to the people of the East Coast and the hunter tribes of the Mississippi. Good morning to the Gimli folk who gather up the way near the old barn. Good morning to those who worship the star statues and who are preparing themselves to travel on the great the great rock that is occurring that's happening soon. March the 3rd, March the 3rd, March the 3rd, 2021, if you can believe it, it's right around 8.26 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and yeah, can you believe it, right here in Seattle, right here, it's happening. I, um, how can I put this? I will say, I just should mention this before we go on with this little Saigon report. Um, today is kind of a blue sky. If you lived in Seattle and you looked out your window this morning, I say this morning because I think there's a 75% chance that by 3 p.m. it will be cloudy and noxious and you know black and brown and ugly. But right now, at around 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, it's kind of a blue sky. And I think that's worth mentioning because it's kind of nice. I wouldn't call it strictly a blue sky. It's still kind of airbrush blue or off-white blue, bluish off-white. I don't really, I can't call it a deep blue, but it's definitely a hue of blue, soft blue, maybe microplastic blue. That's a whole new color on the spectrum, man. Microplastic blue, maybe geoengineering compound blue. Yes, indeed. There is a newly discovered tribe. Anthropologists have looked all over the world for new tribes for a long time. It seems like every time we find a new tribe, we, you know, we basically kill most of them. We steal their shit. And this has been a puzzle in anthropology for decades. Why is it that every time an anthropologist finds a new tribe, they seem to go away... 
or you know, they end up with a Starbucks right next to the shaman. Right next to Shaman Steve is Starbucks now. And the thing is that Starbucks sells an off-brand shamanism. And a hot chai. But after decades of research and analysis and supercomputers, after decades of experimentation in weird laboratories involving double-slit, double-blind, double-bound experiments, the only, the only, you can only have that happen in like what? Soho? in the darker parts of town. But indeed, after all these decades of research, the community of theoretical advanced quantum anthropologists have figured something out. And I'm about to announce this on the Little Saigon Report, something that people barely understand and are only beginning to put into focus. There is a new tribe that turns out to be a highly destructive tribe. They are the tribe of voter-gatherers. They go around all over town tribe of voter-gatherers is a freak zone tribe. They live in swamps. If you know where there's a swamp, you will find a tribe of voter-gatherers. They lurk together in the swamp caves and the swamp holes. They eat whatever scrimbly they can find. They move around territories trying to convince their neighbors you need some roads, buddy. So give us your virgins. The tribe of voter gatherers. They are the masters of non sequitur. They will tell you that if you don't fund social security, you're going to kill grandmother. In no universe of hyperdimensional logic does that ever work out. They are the masters of emotional appeal, see grandmother. They will tell you that if you don't fund the private schools, little kids are going to starve to death. They are experts at emotional appeal and non sequitur. Their spirit creature is the bald eagle. The dumpster diving, murdering, meat stealing... Pox upon thy neighbors, tax upon thyself. The, the bird that Benjamin Franklin didn't want. The bald fucking eagle is their spirit animal. A dumpster diving killer.
The tribe of voter gatherers seeks the gumptus grease and the dead things and the old album covers that depict pain and suffering. Their eyes are crooked and their teeth are red and yellow and green. And when they, yeah, their butt exudes a gas that, if collected, you can use to remove paint, old paint. They enjoy breeding French bulldogs and then eating them for protein. We must vanquish the voter gatherers because their goal in life is to make your life a living fucking hell. Motherfucker. Next topic. So I was looking at an article that was online because the internet is all truth, right? That's what they tell us, it's all truth. The article comes from News Punch and the headline reads, Microsoft creates COVID system to scan children in schools with unique barcode. And I have to tell you something. If anyone had read a headline like this 30 fucking years ago, people would have said, okay, is it April Fool's Day? No, someone arrest Bill Gates. That's what would have been the thing. It's like, this guy's a crazy, out of control, creepy motherfucker. Chances are he does hinky, nasty, terrible shit in his private life. And given that in 2014, I believe an, a, an engineer on one of his mansion properties was caught with like tons of pedophile material on the computers there. I think there's evidence to believe he's a pedophile piece of shit as well. And I don't even know what's going on with between him and Merle. I, oh yeah, Melinda. I, I say Merle. Anyways, the headline of this article is Microsoft creates COVID system to scan children in schools with unique barcodes. The author is Niam Harris and the date of publishing is March the 3rd, 2021. Microsoft has unveiled a creepy new COVID system that scans school children with a unique barcode so they can attend class. Children in the Los Angeles Unified School District will have their own unique QR code or daily pass that will be scanned by the system. Students without the barcode will be barred from going to school. Isn't that funny? The barcode bars you. Sorry, editorializing. And once again, students without the barcode will be barred from going, to, going into school. Which means, I gotta say, don't get the barcode. Kids will also be forced to social distance, wear masks, and receive regular temperature checks throughout the day. Wow. Talk about a pro... I'm going to editorialize here a little. Talk about a way to traumatize generations of people in a way that public schools so far have not. In order for students to earn their safe for school daily pass, they must answer an online questionnaire while their teacher is masturbating and watching them. No, I'm kidding, am I? And test negative for COVID-19 every single week. Well, great, the test doesn't work, so that's great news. 
Oh, I'll let you guys read the rest of this bullshit. This is too depressing to fucking read. I'm going to leave it up to you guys to just scan that um, evil, evil fucking bullshit. You can read that and you can say to yourself, it's no big deal. It's just a barcode. I know that's what people think. I know. I know they do at this very moment believe that, especially with some of the quote-unquote good news coming out. We'll get to that. But um, I think we need to dig a little deeper, guys. You know? I, I think that any belief that we're headed back to anything like a rule-of-law society, if, one, if, if, it, if it ever existed, like I think the whole thing's a bogus lie, but if there was anything even functioning kind of like a rule of law. It's gone. It's gone. There is no rule of law. Right now, we live in a rule of force society. Currently, governments have the most force, at least brutal force. That doesn't mean that ordinary people can't fight back. I'm just being honest. They have nuclear weapons. They have tanks. They have helicopters. They have lots of training, you know, good and bad training, but they have it. But we don't live in a rule of law society. This is rule of force. And it was probably that when I was born. But it's kind of like 2020 was their coming out party. Like, listen, guys, it's always been this way. But now we're letting you know it's just this way, period. Anyways. So for some people, the barcode that allows your kid to go to school is no big deal. And I know that. I know there are people out there who say that. I would say public schools, the way they currently function, are terrible. I think communities would be far better organizing voluntary co-op schools than ever going down the road of public schools. And in reality, for much of American history, co-op schools is how it was done. People got together as a community. They either did their own teaching or they hired a teacher as a community. As a community, they would hire and fire. As a community, they had control. As a community, their destiny was theirs. And if schools function like that, you're going to get a lot closer to something like a functional outcome for kids. I read an article today, and you can research for the article yourself. The, the link won't be in the notes, but it relates to Baltimore School District and how one particular student was like really super high in their class of students but he technically had a 0.13 GPA. And he'd gone to basically two or three classes or something. But because of this, he basically was going to get a scholarship or something and get into some engineering program. And I don't really give a shit. I, I kind of think wishing a university education upon a human being in 2021 is like wish, wishing a gypsy curse upon somebody. I don't think the system works. It barely worked when I was a kid. When I was a kid and you went to University of Washington, you would spend half of your time there, maybe even three quarters of your time there, being indoctrinated on shit that has nothing to do with what you're studying. And today, I bet it's 80%. So maybe you get 20% of anything as an undergraduate that would practically direct you at most of these public universities. I'm sure there's still some special universities for special people, like Gavin, Gavin Newsom, for example. He can tell all people in California, you can't go to a fucking restaurant. But, you know, he, he'll get caught on camera going to a restaurant, and that's funny too, isn't it? But Dan, that's just lucky camera work. No, no, it's not. Everything, I think, almost everything we're seeing in the media right now is kind of controlled and purposeful 
We don't want to believe it because, well, it makes us feel better if it's not, but no. If we're seeing a picture of Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, eating out with friends, it's because they want you to see it. It really is. It's one trauma monkey after another, and we still don't know what that means. Anywho, the voter gatherers and the time we live in and the fucking Microsoft scan bullshit. Nature envisioned with without self-regulation is Satan's dream. That's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Let me reread that. Nature envisioned without self-regulation is Satan's dream. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's the thing. I think that God, among other things, is like the most intelligent being in the universe. So if God builds something, and I'm going to put this as simply as I can, the Lord in heaven builds it to last. So he doesn't build shit that needs a constant, a constant amount of maintenance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's certainly decisions as humans we have to make if we want our bodies to not fall apart. Like, for example, not giving in to satanic psyops like COVID so we can live a normal life. That's an example of preserving physical life on earth, not giving in to lies that ruin your life. But that being said, um, nature itself, the forest, the oceans, everything around us, it self-regulates. We don't have to have a mayor of the oceans. The oceans will do fine without a mayor. But the key is we have to self-regulate too, and that's the key. Because when we're not self-regulating, that's when I think we end up doing our damage as people. That's one of the reasons why I'm an anarchist, because the idea of government isn't simply an attack upon human dignity. It really is an attack upon nature. If you really break down what government is, it's an attempt to tell the oceans what to do. And I'm going to let y'all in a little secret. Like Lincoln's quote concerning people and fooling people, you probably can fuck with nature for a while, and maybe all of it for a while. But eventually, nature's going to come back to fuck with you. I, I, you really need to hear what I just said, because nature is self-regulating and created by God. Okay? Two and two equals what in that case? It means that if you fuck with nature thinking you can control it, there is a much higher likelihood that that boomerang is going to come back and stick itself right inside your skull. When you look up at the skies and they say, oh, it's condensation, it's condensation, Dan, but it's clear to you they're spraying something. When you see these snowstorms where temperatures change 80 to 90 degrees in a week, like you're basically in springtime, then you get your two weeks of winter, and then now you're back in springtime, early summer almost again. There's something going on. I don't know what it is, but they're lying to us. And it fits into the same categories as Bill Gates bullshit. You know, thinking you can track people. That's how you can do it. You manage society. If humans manage society the way that Bill Gates wants them to, the only outcome is murder and death and destruction. That's it. That's Satan's dream. Satan wants a world where he can control everything. Think about this for a second, because it's true. It's also the key to that story where, where Satan is tempting Jesus, and he says, Look, Jesus, you see those kingdoms? As far as you can see, I'll give you all the kingdoms. But Jesus knows that's foolish bullshit. Jesus knows that's crap. Jesus understands that what Satan's offering is, is nothing. 
it, it, he's offering the ability to, to, to command the oceans. And you can pretend to do that, but really only God does that. No, but what Satan's really offering is this whole you can command the world thing, but nothing can really except for God. And people who think they can end up being destroyed by it eventually. You know, you can fuck with nature, but at, at a certain point, nature will swing back at you. This is the thing about all the crap they're doing. There's a lot of people out there who say, well, it can only end in the victory of this toxic realm of destruction. And what I would say is it can only end in its destruction. The only question is when and how many innocent, well, I don't want to say innocent, how many bystanders are going to get smashed at the same time? I can tell you definitively that nature will, re will rebound and self-regulate. And I can tell you definitively that the Lord in heaven wins every argument. But when and how that happens, well, that's not my decision. If it were, ho, 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 if it were. Nature does fine on its own, okay? You know, it's like some of these busybodies. Um, that right guy, you know, the big labor secretary right guy? I always forget his first name. His last name is R-E-I-C-H. I think it's Reich or something. But they're, they're all the same. They believe that they can go into the forest and, and then start telling animals where to make game trails. That's their philosophy. We're going to go into the forest and we're going to tell you where to make your game trails. But that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit anything. It's not fluid. It's not dynamic. It's not based upon the intrinsic generative nature of life on earth. It's based upon the idea that you can carve out grids and you can carve out grids and you can say, oh, now that I have this rectangle, I can give this to the Duke of what the fuck. Hey, Duke, what the fuck? Yeah. I just carved out a rectangle. I'm calling it Kansas. Oh, fuck. Thank you. Is that that big flat? What the fuck? Yeah, it is, Duke. It's perfectly named for you. What the fuck? We love you, what the fuck. You're great, man. But Satan? Yeah. Satan would like you to believe that if you put evil in charge, evil will run everything perfectly. Everyone will get their protein cubes and their two hours of programmed TV and music a night and their sleep cycle and you'll live in a box, and you'll live in a tiny world, and everyone you know will slowly die, and you'll slowly die too. That's the vision of a well-ordered society for Satan, the, throw, the, the slow, probably cruel. Let's just, let's define what communism and Satan's dream really is. The slow, cruel death of humanity. Let me repeat that. The satanic view of the future and the communist view of the future and the statist voter tribe view of the future is the slow, very cruel death of humanity. That's what they want. And when I say slow, it might not be that slow in historical terms because the road we're going down, I don't see how it can succeed a hundred years out. I'm sorry. This shit will only end badly. We've already been doing horrible, heinous shit not just to ourselves, but to nature. If we keep doing the same stupid shit we've been doing, we are royally fucked. 
and maybe not my generation, maybe I'll just die of diabetes or something. But I can promise you if we keep doing the same stupid shit, we are royally fucked. That's it. Next topic. Ugh, next topic. What are we can talk about? Tom Cruise. So there, there was this, um, oh my gosh, there was a stupid fucking advertisement on the internet for a news issue for a trauma monkey. Here's another trauma monkey. Fake video, a deep fake video showing Tom Cruise. And the thing is, and, and the headline, I think this comes from like the LA Times or the Times, why the deep fake Tom Cruise videos are worrying. Why are they worrying? But I'm wondering... And I'm going to say to the Times and to Tom Cruise and to the Church of Scientology and to everybody out there who, who may or may not exist because that's where I'm at these days. Was Tom Cruise ever real in the first place? I mean, if you were to ask yourself, you know, is it vegetable? Is it mineral? What is the substance that defines Tom Cruise? Isn't he made of the same thing as Kevin Bacon? If you think about Tom Cruise, isn't he made of the same thing as Kevin Bacon? Isn't he made of Bacon Molecule 6? Isn't he made of a material that came out of the CIA and Bell Labs in the late 60s called Fagetonium? Fagetonium is made of MSG and plutonium. It gives you the power and the sweetness and the saltiness. That's what I want to say about this Tom Cruise deep fake thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep fake videos are concerning, but I think that's been going on a while. I, I think that the ISIS videos back in 2015 and 14, where they showed people getting their heads cut off, I think that was a lot of deep fake bullshit. I think a lot of the videos I saw involving the quote unquote Black Lives Matter, Krasnobian, CIA PSYOP bullshit, I think a lot of that shit was fucking, yeah. Um, CGI invented bullshit. Not all of it, but a lot of it. There's a lot of stuff that, that we see as video these days I don't think we should just take for granted. Just because it's a video, don't assume it's real. A lot of the fucking shit that comes out of SpaceX, I'll be honest. The fucking sports car in space a few years ago. 
I don't know where to start. I mean, if a person has a background in high energy radiation and light spectrum and understands what red paint would do in a car in space. But it wasn't red paint. It was super nano, super. I don't give a fuck. The fucking steering wheel was painted black. That's called a black body. Those things will simply absorb energy in space. And they have no way of releasing it, really, except for basically through passive infrared. And that's not very fast. The key thing here is, though, is that we're told to believe this bullshit because someone said it's real. Oh, here's a video of Mars. Really? Is it? And no, I'm not a flat earther. I'm just incredibly skeptical of a lot of this bullshit. I'm sorry. There's a lot of holes in their arguments. This idea that's been perpetuated for about 40 years that NASA forgot how to go to the moon. Well, that's crazy. That's weird. That makes zero fucking sense. Now, of course, you could say, well, Dan, it's a government operation. But doesn't that kind of go to the point that they probably never did it in the first place? You know what I'm saying? Like, if your argument is, well, Dan, they're really incompetent, they're really stupid, it's government. Okay, well, then how'd they do it in the first place? Luck? They would be the luckiest motherfuckers in the history of the world. The history of stupid people. If our government got to the moon in the 60s because they were just simply lucky... That would be a lot of luck. I don't know. Anyways, next topic. Another quote from Dr. Freckles. Instead of listening to hope, instead of listening for hope, you heard nope. Instead of listening for hope, you heard nope. And I think I was saying this to myself yesterday because, like I said, you know, it's kind of a blue sky today. I can't really call it anything more than that. It's really a, a burnt out, off-white blue sky, but it's kind of that and... I suppose it means that, you know, at least it's not dark and dreary, super gray. That's something, right? And if we, yeah. So instead of listening for hope, you heard nope. That's what I'm saying, guys. Don't hear nope, hear hope. Okay, next topic. Because that's as much as I can say about that shit right now. Next fucking topic, buddy. Texas and Mississippi have decided to open up. Um... And I don't know how much time I want to spend on this, really. You know, you can you can write into this or read into this or think on this however you want to. I think this could go either way. This could be potentially a really optimistic sign. It could be. I don't really know. I don't believe anybody at the governor's level in this country is currently a free agent. Sorry. That includes what's her name in South Dakota or North Dakota or whatever. You know, Christy Noam, Noam, whatever. None of these guys are free agents, none of them, okay? Yes, in fact, some of them play the good guys and some of them play the bad guys, but they're all basically playing roles. And they're playing roles for very specific reasons. Here's the thing. This nasty-ass status bullshit lockdown that you have in places like Seattle or in California or New York City, this bullshit really doesn't work anywhere but a nasty-ass state of city. Let me, let me fucking repeat what I just said. You know the whole story of the tribe of voter-gatherers? 
The shit they're pulling doesn't really work with free people, but with voter-gatherer tribes, this shit really does work. This fear-mongering crap works. This virtue signaling, you know, everybody should just make themselves go crazy and suffocate themselves strategy, it works. This wouldn't work in Wyoming, really. Okay, there's not enough people to make it work. This doesn't really work in Texas long term. Short term, maybe. The problem is it gets too fucking hot there. So if you telling people to wear one mask in high temperature is called stupid, especially when the mask doesn't do anything but harm you. Telling people to wear two masks in high wet bulb, high humidity, high temperature, that's basically telling people to have heat stroke and die amongst other things. And wearing the mask is bad for you, you know, long term, but short term, during a heat wave, wearing multiple masks would kill you. And yes, it's true. Our bodies cool ourselves with perspiration, but our bodies also cool themselves with respiration, okay? That is also a heat exchange process. Okay, being able to breathe air in and out allows you to exchange heat with the outside. So the fact is, this process puts people's lives in jeopardy, this whole lockdown. So I don't know. I'm going to leave it up. This is another one I will leave up to you guys. You research this. I think it's as likely two weeks from now that we end up back in the lockdown in Texas and other places. I think this is a musical chair, bullshit, hokey pokey dance. of a. I, I think we're in a massive orchestrated psychological operations. And I know you probably think I'm crazy, but that that's right. So when I see this thing, I think, eh, maybe it's good news. So 50% chance, let's just say 50-50. 50% chance this is good news. 50% chance in two weeks, it's gonna be locked down again. And it'll be like, oh, we let them have some freedom. We let them have a little freedom. Look what they did with it. They killed themselves. Next topic, I'm going to read this article. This article is coming from Zero Hedge. And this article is originally written by Charles Hugh Smith. So the author is Charles Hugh Smith, though it shows up on Zero Hedge. The author is Charles Hugh Smith, and it's from Of Two Minds blog. And the title of the article, about that 6.8% GDP forecast. Remember that GDP equals waste. Any economy stupid enough to rely on the insane distortions of GDP quote-unquote growth as its primary measure will richly deserve a Darwin Award when it inevitably collapses in a putrid heap of squandered resources and capital. We're told the gross domestic product, GDP, measures growth. But what it really measures is waste, capital, labor, and resources that are squandered and then mislabeled growth for PR purposes. If we only manage what we measure, then we're mismanaging our economy by promoting waste as the only metric we measure and incentivize. Forecasts now predict a rousing 6.8% growth in 2021 GDP, 
In other words, the amount of resources and capital being squandered is going parabolic, and we love it. 50 million autos and trucks stuck in traffic, burning millions of gallons of fuel while going nowhere, growth. All that wasted fuel adds to GDP. Everyone who works from home detracts from growth since they didn't waste fuel sitting in traffic jams. That's bad. Wasting millions of gallons of gasoline is growth. Repaving a little used road. This is growth. Never mind the money could have been invested in repairing a heavily traveled road or adding safe bikeways, etc. In the current neo-Keynesian system, building bridges to nowhere is infrastructure growth. GDP has no mechanism to measure the opportunity costs of squandering capital. Labor and resources on investments with marginal or even negative returns. Buying a new refrigerator to replace a broken one that could have been fixed by replacing a $10 sensor? That's growth. GDP has no mechanism for calculating the utility still remaining in roads, vehicles, buildings, etc. that are replaced, throwing away all the fixed investments remaining utility to buy a new replacement is strongly encouraged because it adds to growth. Planned obsolescence that sends everything on a conveyor belt to the landfill is growth. We love the landfill economy because all that, all that incredibly needless waste is, you know, growth. Planned obsolescence, yeah. Building and maintaining extraordinarily costly weapon systems that are already obsolete, growth. The gargantuan future costs of interest paid by taxpayers on debt borrowed to pay for failed weapon systems like the trillion-dollar rat hole known as the F-35 aircraft program is not calculated by GDP. The staggering cost of indebting future taxpayers is ignored by GDP. The only thing that counts in GDP is growth, quote-unquote, in spending, no matter how useless. Tearing out a functioning kitchen to install granite countertops and new appliances, growth. GDP has no mechanism to measure the decline of quality in new appliances or the marginal utility of granite countertops over the existing surfaces. Writing complex derivatives designed to defraud buyers, growth. The immense profits booked by investment banks and the bloated salaries of financiers who wrote and sold the guaranteed to default derivatives add greatly to GDP. Creating another huge bureaucracy to oversee the financiers' growth. Squandering taxpayers' money on more layers of bureaucracy adds to growth and GDP. Never mind that labor is all, is all wasted, since a 16-page law could have achieved the same results at zero cost. GDP has no mechanism to measure the value of alternatives that use less capital, labor, and resources to get the same results. Tossing out an item of clothing that was once worn that was worn once or twice in favor of the latest fashion growth GDP has no mechanism to measure what else could have been done with the oil burned to ship the new item of clothing across the Pacific and truck it to the retailer. If a consumer spends money on the new clothing, GDP registers that as growth without calculating what else could have been done with the non-renewable resources squandered on frippery. An extremely costly medication that has essentially, essentially zero positive effect on the patient's underlying conditions. Growth. 
and if the useless med causes horrible side effects that need another couple meds to knock down the side effects? Fantastic, that's even more growth. Borrowing and blowing 50000 on a university diploma with a market value of zero? Growth. The way we measure GDP does not account for the burdens of debt. Crushing debt serves for a worthless degree. GDP only measures spending, no matter how useless, destructive, or insane. GDP is another insane, irrational distortion of the Keynesian cargo cult that worships growth as the only goal. The Keynesian cargo cultists believe that paying people to dig holes and refill them is an excellent strategy for growth. Ordering bureaucrats to bury wads of cash in abandoned mines and then turning the unemployed hordes loose to find the cash is Keynes' own example of worthy ways to generate growth. This disconnected from reality understanding of the world completely ignores the non-renewable nature of hydrocarbons and the critical concept of maximizing the utility of capital, labor, and resources. Any system that has no way to measure, much less prioritize opportunity costs, i.e., what else could have been done with the capital, labor, and resources. And maximization of utility is not just flawed. It's terribly misguided and destructive. No wonder the Keynesian cargo cult's method of encouraging animal spirits is dancing the humba-humba around the campfire, waving recently strangled chickens. Hey, is that Paul Krugman in the shaman outfit? No, it's Ben Bernanke. Any economy stupid enough to rely on the insane distortions of GDP growth as its primary measure will richly deserve a Darwin Award when it inevitably collapses in a putrid heap of squandered resources and capital. Don't think it won't happen just because it hasn't happened yet. This article was written by Charles Hugh Smith and... Um, the link is in the notes. He's a pretty smart guy. I like his stuff. Of Two Minds blog is a good place to go. And what's interesting is that even though today's Little Saigon report was sort of a random walk through the spirit of times, through the zeitgeist, it seems like there's a common theme, though, isn't there? That there's something kind of problematic about these weird tribes, these voter-gatherers, who believe they can tell the deer where to make game trails. Hey there, deer, you're, you're not in the right part of the woods. Over there is near to the Fluxion Glimp and the Climbion. The great scientists of Rexall told us this. You have to adjust your meterage. Oh, and also pay a tax. Yes, we have to have a tax in the woods now. And this fits nicely with that Rush song, right? You know, the trees. <laughs> what do you guys think, huh? About this topic. What do, you, what do you think? What do you think? I think that I was born on one level into an age of Keynesianism, you could argue. I kind of think that a lot of us were born into... 
a, basically it's like, and I, I believe it's an old movie. It's called The Snake Pit. But basically, into an, in a in a dread, dark, terribly managed insane asylum. You know, where we're constantly tortured, constantly abused, constantly manipulated, constantly turned against each other. And we were born into that. The Keynesian economics is simply the grease that convinces us that some of this shit makes sense. But Charles Hugh Smith makes a good point. You know, if you build a society based upon disposing of things, throwing things away, but you don't measure the effect of that, then it's entirely plausible that you will simply build mountains of garbage. You know, there is no reason at this point in human history, there is very little reason that you should have to buy more than one oven every 20 or 30 years. Yeah, you might have to fix it, but would you have to go out and get a whole new fucking oven? Would you? But, but we do. The way things are done these days, that happens all the time. And one of the arguments people make, well, but Dan, technology progresses. Well, it does. It does progress. What's interesting is that the same basic turbine engine design that the Nazis were chucking into ME-262s at the end of World War II, that same basic design is still pushing planes around. Yeah, 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 there have been marginal improvements, but nothing earth-shattering. It's still the same fucking candle. It ain't the fucking light bulb. So when people feed me this bullshit, well, technology's getting better. You know what, dude? The seats on the airplanes have gotten smaller. It seems like the flights take longer. I think you're full of shit. I think your argument is total bullshit. And if you argue, well, but more people can fly now. You know what, buddy? That might be true. But on the other hand, I really can't. I, I don't really know. I think in a free world, people would have as much flight as they needed. That's kind of the message here, too. You don't really get to pick what people want. You should allow them to make choices. If you want a functioning economy, you should allow people to simply live in that and not create these weird sort of traps, these weird sort of games. It's like Cash for Clunkers. Cash for Clunkers was a bullshit game, okay? Yeah, of course you want to play it, just like people want to play the game on the Death Star. You know, any game on the Death Star, it's all a crooked game, so why not just play another fucking crooked game? That's fine. But the reality of Cash for Clunkers is they were basically telling you if you have a perfectly good car, throw it away. Go get a new car. And the argument was the new cars are so much better for the environment, but they're not, actually. They're really not. They're just new. Next topic, I don't know, this Dr. Seuss thing. I was going to talk about that SUV. I will say this. The thing about that SUV, the sport utility vehicle crash yesterday, it's not funny. But I really did not think you could fit 25 people into a Ford Expedition. So I'm just going to throw that right there. I, in a, in a more fucked up world, I think Ford would be calling the survivors and saying, how did you do it? And can we get your friends together to do another demo? 25 of your friends in one SUV, buddy. But it's also a terrible story. So, Sad story. Sad story. 
car wrecks are terrible. You know, people talk about gun guns all the time. It's funny. Every, people talk about the horrors of guns, horror stories about guns. Let me let you in a little fucking secret. Your 2,000-pound fucking car going 60 to 70 miles an hour, okay, kills more people statistically, which means as a group, you car drivers kill way more people than all the gun people ever have, ever, in the last 100 years. You guys win every time. You almost compete with wars, almost. You fucking crazy fuckers out there, tens of thousands of people killed every year, and none of you would question your right to own a fucking car. None of you. In fact, some of you say, well, yeah, you know, my body don't work so right, and these computer chips are going to help, but let me have a fucking car. Not to mention the idea of self-driving vehicles, which you might, yeah, that world is going to end up not working out the way people think it will. But anywho, um, yeah, it's funny. It's funny how people will emphasize the guns over the cars. But you know why? Because the guns are a good example of something you buy and for the most part, if you take care of a gun, it'll last 100, 200, 300 years, okay? I don't know anybody who's purchased a car in the last 20 years where they weren't having problems in year five. Right around the time of warranty renewal or warranty expiration or whatever. I know no one who's purchased a car that they've had much more than five or six years. And some people buy used cars, and that's great. But for the most part, a lot of the people I know, they'll buy a car, they'll drive it, and then they'll go bad and they'll get a new car. And that's fine. God bless them. That's their money. People with guns generally buy them once. So from a Keynesian perspective, the car driver is to be preferred by the neo-Stalinist Keynesian on the Death Star over the gun maker. Because the gun maker or the gun owner, there isn't the same turnover. There's a lot of trade. And then you add in 3D guns, and now all of a sudden, ordinary, everyday people can be making guns, and that makes the dynamics even further different. Okay, There is no Keynesian money to be made in guns. There isn't really. None at all. That's one of the reasons why they push so hard against weed. If weed, if marijuana could be turned into a giant pyramid Keynesian scheme, which it really can't because it's a plant and anybody can grow it, but if they could turn it into some centralized bullshit scheme, sure they would, but they know they can't. Yeah, 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 they can implement legal weed in places like where I live, where the laws are shitty and the taxes are terrible, and they can do all their bureaucratic fucking scumbaggery. But they really can't control the market. They can't prevent you from doing it. Not really. Cars, on the other hand, that's a bigger problem. That's a harder problem for the ordinary person to solve. And so they're kind of, you know, in a state of capture. So it's interesting. It's interesting that people emphasize gun deaths, but don't really meditate too much on automobile deaths. And in reality, a lot of automobile deaths, maybe even most of them, could be avoided with, with, actual, with actual, you know, science and actual engineering. Not the bullshit we're fed. But that's okay. Nobody wants to live. That was one of my conclusions from 2020 is a lot of people just want to die. Maybe myself included, but a lot of people just want to die because why else would they march with their masks or their two masks on or their three masks on into the dark hole of nothing? Why would they do that if they didn't simply want to fucking die?
Next topic. Next topic is Dr. Seuss. So let's just get something out of the way. I've said this, and I know people don't like me saying it because it sounds ominous. I don't know if it's ominous. But I believe that much of 2020, probably the years prior to 2020, probably starting with Trump, definitely this current phase, I think we've been in a kind of military psychological operation for a few years now. And COVID was when the heat was really turned up. I think Trump was definitely designed to do what he did, and that is antagonize and stress people out and to create a lot of ire and a lot of confusion. Trump is as real as Black Lives Matter. Trump is as real as Proud Boys, and he was part of the PSYOP. The COVID thing was a next level up. It really was. I mean, what they've managed to do with COVID is really kind of brilliant from an evil perspective. They have managed to control billions of people using their fear in an almost precise way. Now, if you may not be able to hear this, but there's construction going on next door. This construction has never stopped. Never. During the whole plague of darkness bullshit, during the whole people are being set on fire because of the COVID, the construction has sped up on 12th Avenue. What is next to me was a homeless shelter five, six months ago. It's now an almost finished what-the-fuck concrete enclosure. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe it's going to be housing. Maybe it's going to be a shelter for something. It looks like it might be an S-dot thing, so it'll probably be shelter for something. But whatever the fuck it is, there used to be a homeless shelter there. And that important critical work for the city of Seattle was accomplished during the plague year. Tons of buildings are going up during the plague year all over my neighborhood, which means probably logically all over fucking Seattle during the plague year. We're told that for some magical reason, construction workers must be, you know, immune, but how? I videotape them. They don't wear their masks all the time. And when they do, they use common sense. They leave breathing space, which means their noses are sticking out. So it's not because of the fucking mask. And that's assuming the mask even fucking worked. So how is it that the construction workers are having no problem with the COVID? How does that work exactly? Is that a great mystery? So the COVID trauma monkey, and I call them trauma monkeys because if you can imagine, you know, Langley, CIA headquarters, Langley, there's a deep basement, sub-basement 98. And in sub-basement 98, there's a team of motherfuckers and their job in life is to come up with fear monkeys, trauma monkeys, weird scenarios. They've got old files going back probably to at least World War II, probably World War I. Oh, here's a new trauma monkey. Did you know old grandpa, grumpy pump, used to set squirrels on fire? Yes, old grandpa Gumpy Funk, you know, the guy famous for discovering food, he used to set squirrels on fire. So if you can imagine this little, you know, office deep, deep, deep below Langley, and you've got lots of files and computers and folders, all of them filled with trauma monkeys. Some of them you know, basically huge, like COVID, and that's managed in its own wing in sub-basement 120. No, excuse me. Um. <laughs> event, what, event 201? 
sub-basement 201 or 202. The point is, COVID is so big, it has its own sub-basement. But yeah, for all the lesser trauma monkeys, the lesser kraken, um, are managed in sub-basement 98. And one of the lesser kraken is the true story of Dr. Seuss. Did you know Dr. Seuss was racist? Yeah, when I was a freshman in college... you know, in 1988. I knew Dr. Seuss was racist. I knew that Frank Capra was racist. Or maybe they weren't racist, but they did things that were kind of racist. I will tell you that a lot of artists like Frank Capra, like Dr. Seuss during World War II, were paid to produce propaganda. And when it came to the war with Japan, and this is well studied, folks, you know, amongst academics who know what they're doing, this is not a controversial statement. The way that the war against Japan was described, created, um, managed, was extraordinarily racist. And when you think about the fact that it was just that easy for us to use, you know, to use the atom bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We didn't use it on just one city. No, we had to use it on two. Why? Because we had to prove it worked. Well, I'm thinking after the first time you probably proved it. But that being said, could you imagine them dropping the atom bomb on Germany? Potentially, maybe. I mean, when you think about Dresden and what happened there, yeah, probably. But the fact is the war against Japan was incredibly racist. It was. The cartoons were racist, the propaganda was racist, it was all racist. If you watched one of Frank Capra's Why We Fight films and they were talking about Japan, they will describe the Japanese people as subhumans. And that's the way it's described and that's the way it worked and it was terrible. And Dr. Seuss was another artist who participated. Also, there are these you know, cartoon commercial things that Dr. Seuss did back in the 20s and 30s that were absolutely racist and something that later in life I think Dr. Seuss, based on what I've read, was ashamed of. That being said, you know, like I said, as far as trauma monkeys go, and this is the critical part of this, none of this is news. Like I said, this is stuff I found out about in history classes back in, you know, 1988. This is stuff that I understood, I can now say, decades ago. So none of this is new. The fact that it's appearing so new to people is what's so fucking freaky. And the other interesting thing about this little trauma monkey surrounding Dr. Seuss is that it's such a crappy trauma monkey. Like, I'm thinking this was the one people kept passing along. You know, it's a Cuban Missile Crisis. Should we use the Dr. Seuss? No, no, no. Oh boy, we just killed, yeah, we killed Kennedy, but hold on to Seuss. He's not that good, not that bad. And then, you know, one thing after another, you got Watergate, you got this, you got that. And somebody's saying, well, should we use the Dr. Seuss's racist trauma monkey yet? And it's like, no, nah, it's not that good, not that great. Hold on to it. Can you imagine the bottom of the fucking barrel they're scraping to toss Dr. Seuss at us? I mean, that's the thing that shocks me about this. It's not shocking that, you know that this is the kind of thing they do to manipulate us. What's shocking is that they're so desperate at this point that they're chucking a hand grenade lab labeled Dr. Seuss at us. This is crazy. It's a stupid psyop. It's not really going to work. It's probably going to enrage people, yeah, but it's not really going to have the punch they expected. If they are down to Dr. Seuss 
was kind of racist, then to me, that means they're very fucking desperate. And to tell you the truth, that's the positive side of the whole Texas thing. If there's a positive angle to the Texas, you know, Mississippi story, is that some little glimmer of light, of self-regulation, self-determination, dignity, and freedom might still be out there. I, I'm going to be a little optimistic. Not, not very, because like I said, it's just as, it's, the whole thing was illegal to begin with, so it's just as likely that Governor Abbott or some other motherfucker reverses it. Who knows? Maybe Governor Abbott is supposed to quote-unquote play dead soon. And when I say play dead, that means fake dead, fake death, not really dead. But maybe Governor Abbott is supposed to quote-unquote die of the COVID soon. And so whoever takes over can say, you know what, he was a good man maybe. But it was this foolish decision to reopen Texas that led to this terrible outcome. Who knows? All I'll say about Dr. Seuss is it's an incredibly stupid fucking story, this whole thing. I knew about the racism of cartoons and cartoonists. Holy crap. Who's going to investigate Walt Disney? Because I'm fairly certain that if you investigate Walt Disney's little cartoon drawer, <laughs> I would wager dollars to donuts that if Tom Hanks went to club, what is it, Club 33, and opened up the sacred, the sacred file, file cabinet, and that's where the really cruddy, really crappy, probably, you know, cartoonist pornography and other crap. I don't know if you know this, but Walt Disney used to paint butts, like naked butts into a lot of cartoons. That guy had some weird problems, Walt Disney. But yeah, maybe Walt Disney was a racist too, probably, right? We don't know, do we? But then Disney can't go after them because they're going after Gina Carano. Yeah, it's all so stupid. There's a famous quote. Well, actually, let's, let's, let's read. I'm going to read an article here because before we get to the quote, this article comes from k krod.com and the title of the article, um, actually, the date of the article is February 26, 2021. The author is Tommy Carroll and the title is one-third of all freshwater fish threatened by extinction. Very shocking to learn that, that one-third of all freshwater fish in Michigan and around the globe are facing extinction. Now, I'm an avid fisherman, not that I catch a lot since moving here a couple years ago. I am still trying to locate good spots for, for, to fish regular. I have had some luck with some species, not so much with others. There may be a reason for the decline in certain fish species because, according to, you know, wood, a big chunk of the freshwater fish population is vanishing at an alarming rate, with 16 species disappearing in 2020 alone. Not to be confused with Michigan, the 16 species is a global number, but Michigan is having its problems also. Already in the Great Lakes, there has been a massive decline in sturgeon, lake trout, Cisco and the salmon numbers have never been lower and keep declining. Zebra mussels play a big part in these declining numbers. Scientists often say that if you have a lot of fish, 
and they are doing well, then things for the most part ecologically are usually doing fine. When fish numbers are down and declining, this is always an indicator of things in our system are not going well. Having problems with declining numbers of fish also indicates the, the declining conditions of our clean water, and that, can also, and that can and will have a direct impact on humans. It is very important to keep our rivers, lakes, and great lakes clean and in tip-top shape because as humans, we need clean water, and if we want to enjoy fishing and other outdoor activities, those same water systems need to be clean. There are a lot of factors that have been causing fish species to disappear, like invasive species, chemicals, and farming, and other industries, overfishing, construction of dams. All these things are taking a toll on our ecosystem, and if we don't act now, things will only worsen. Arctic grayling have already been wiped out, and if something doesn't change soon, salmon will be next. There is an attempt going on right now to bring back Arctic grayling in Michigan, but we are years away from seeing if, there's, if there is a positive result in these new efforts. I really hope scientists can find a way to battle the zebra mussels without damaging other fish in the process, or fishing and clean water in Michigan may become a thing of the past. Without clean water, Humans are next, okay. This was not the best article I could find on the subject. It came up, um, it came up recently in a podcast of Dane Wigington's. Um, yeah, he was talking about one third of all freshwater fish species going extinct. And he also pointed out the numbers are probably optimistic, which means they're, they're better. I don't really know. I don't know. I haven't been fishing in years. The last time I went fishing in the Puget Sound, um, not the last time, the last time, yeah, the second to last time I went fishing in the Puget Sound, probably, um, I remember getting this little flounder, you know, and pulling it up and flipping it over, and I could actually see the tumors on the bottom side, you know, the white side of the flounder? That was 10 years ago. No, actually, I think that was 12 years ago. I don't think it's good to freak people out. I don't want you to get freaked out. There are problems we face that you cannot really have any effect on at all. I'm of the opinion that what we're facing in general, even though we don't really understand what it is completely yet, maybe we won't until it's over. What we're facing has so much momentum historically that it's not realistic to think you're going to change it or stop it. It's probably just going to happen. The thing you can do is you can try to survive it. And that's, that's okay. That's a smart strategy to try to survive it. But I would never recommend arguing with a hurricane. I would never recommend ordering an ocean around. I would never recommend, you know, swearing at a flooding river. If a river is flooding your valley, you can use every fucking profanity you have, and that river will still flood your fucking valley. You can do things like flood control. You can do things like build survivable housing. Not sustainable, survivable. 
The sustainable bullshit tends to be more the Keynesian throwaway crap. I mean actual houses that can last and last through storms and winters and everything else because they're engineered to do so. You can build stuff like that or you can build stuff that just turns to crap tomorrow. These are choices. We can respond to the world in a rational way or we can just go insane and die. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. First you go crazy First you go crazy, then you go dead. First you go crazy, then you go dead. That is a simplified version of a quote that frankly doesn't have one author. It's an ancient quote and it has different versions. One version of the quote is, whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. Whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. Dr. Freckles is simplifying that by saying, first you go crazy, then you go dead. And, I, and that may be too much of an oversimplification. What I can say is that there's a lot of madness right now, I think. And I would even think in a basic sense and not in some just crude historical sense that Foucault would wince at. But I mean, if we define insanity as an inability to behave in a way that would allow you to survive, but you're not aware of it. You see, I think there's a distinction. I think people do things that are reckless, but they're aware of them. They're aware of the recklessness. Like for example, people jump out of planes. People choose to jump out of planes. People will put a pack on their back and jump out of a fucking plane. And they'll even go up in a balloon to 23 miles above the earth and jump out. People do shit like that, but if you're doing it, knowing you're doing it, then yeah, 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 it's reckless, but it's not necessarily a sign of madness. When you go and do things that are reckless and dangerous, thinking that they're not, and yet even though you're constantly harmed, you keep telling yourself these things you do are not harm harmful, they're, they're good for you, that's insanity, okay? That's crazy. A lot of people do things that harm themselves. A lot of people do things that injure themselves, okay? This is, this is not an uncommon trait, especially in the frustrating times of the imprisoned human being existence. A lot of us do things that we shouldn't do as far as self-harm, but a lot of us are aware of it. Like for example, I do things I shouldn't do and I know that they're harmful, but I know that they're harmful. I know that they have consequences. I can even experience some of the consequences. That's reality. But what if I did the things I did and then thought everything would be fine? That's how I would define the people that wear masks and currently plug into the system in a completely oblivious and, and irrespective of reality kind of way. Is that they're doing things that are, that are as harmful or more harmful even than anything I do. And yet they're telling me what they're doing is the healthy way. And even though people are getting sick, even though people are killing themselves, even though cancers and diabetes and heart disease are going untreated, they'll tell you that the COVID is protecting people. It's killing people. If you wear two or three masks while you're running, you're killing yourself. If you do that in a modern city that already has lower oxygen levels than, than is healthy, you are really killing yourself. And then if you take those masks and toss them on the ground like you don't give a fuck, well, you're just the person who's injuring themselves and you're just a piece of shit, kind of like a bald eagle.
Those whom the gods are about to destroy, they first make mad. That's a good quote. It's something to think about in 2021. I want to believe in my heart that the Mississippi thing and the Texas thing are a good sign. And because one scenario that has a likelihood for this this country of ours that could lead to a positive outcome for the most people would be a collapse of the empire, this could be good. This could be a sign that the empire is collapsing. I don't actually believe it is. I think it's more likely it's just a psych. You know how when you're in high school and you would hand somebody something, say psych, and then pull it away really quick? I think it's a psych. I think it's a fuck you. I really do. I think in a couple weeks, we're going to be told that some new variant of some new thing is is ravaging Dallas. Ravaging Dallas. Dallas. And, and then, you know what? Who knows? If you're getting your reality from an electronic device, how the fuck do you know what's going on anywhere else? Well, because they're telling me the truth. Yeah, they are. They're telling you the truth. I do not know if they're telling you the truth. I don't. I can only tell you what I see with my own eyes, okay? I don't know if they're telling the truth about one-third of all freshwater fish going extinct, but I can tell you the time I've spent around nature in the last couple years, nature's awfully fucking quiet where I live, okay? And as far as the fucking birds of prey coming to Cancer Town and Little Saigon to look for food, I have no idea what that means. It could mean a lot of different things. But none of those interpretations logically makes sense if the conclusion is nature's doing well. No, I think the eagles are adapting. I think they're doing what every creature does. They're trying to stay alive a bit longer, okay? Kind of like Chief Brody shimming himself up the mast of the boat at the end of Jaws, man. He's just trying to keep his head above water a bit longer to have one last shot. That's what life does. Life wants to hold on. Even if a great white shark is heading at you at like 30 miles an hour, with an air tank in his mouth, and all you've got is a World War One, you know, what, M2, M1 Garand? 30-06? You're like Chief Brody, staring down Jaws. First you go crazy, then you go dead. Let's move on to the next fucking topic. Oh, God. I don't want to talk about the Devil's Already Here article about the new variants of something, whatever the fuck we think it is. I don't really want to talk about Governor Cuomo too much. You know what? Let's let's read this article. What the fuck? Might as well. This is article is by Carl Campanile, Campanile, Nolan Hicks, and Bernadette Hogan, and Aaron Fies. So this this article has four authors. Wow. (laughs) 
Title of the article, and before I go into that, let me read the authors one more time. Carl Campanile, Nolan Hicks, Bernadette Hogan, and Aaron Feist in bed together. This article was published on February the 28th, 2021. Title of the article, Cuomo Sorry, Cuomo Sorry. Cuomo sorry for workplace jokes amid sexual harassment fiasco. You notice how, and I'm going to editorialize here a bit, but you know a couple years ago during the whole Kavanaugh mess, when they would talk about Kavanaugh, it was never a fiasco. It was always predator and vicious and sociopathic. If you look at the language they used about Kavanaugh, it was always, he must have done something, even though the whole thing turned out to be, you know, trauma monkey bullshit, right? But with Cuomo, and again, this article's from the New York Post, I should have said that. With Cuomo, sorry for workplace jokes amid sexual harassment fiasco. Let's read this article. Governor Andrew Cuomo on Sunday tried to explain away allegations of sexual harassment as quote-unquote jokes that were misinterpreted as quote-unquote unwanted flirtation as his office caved on the state attorney general's request to appoint an investigator to probe the probe, probe the claims, and I quote, At work sometimes I think I'm being playful and make jokes that I think are funny. I do on occasion tease people in what I think is a good-natured way. Said Cuomo in a prepared statement. And I quote, I now understand that my interactions may have been insensitive. I now understand that my interactions may have been insensitive or too personal and that some of my comments, given my position, made others feel in ways I never intended. He continued, and I quote, I acknowledge some of the things I have said have been misinterpreted as an unwanted flirtation. To the extent anyone felt that way, I am truly sorry about that. We know you are, Andrew. Governor Cuomo's office caved on the state attorney general's request to solely appoint an investigator. Oh, sexual harassment allegations made against him. The statement came one day after former Cuomo staffer Charlotte Bennett, 25, alleged to the New York Times that the 63-year-old governor made a series of inappropriate remarks that left her convinced he wanted to sleep with her. That claim, in turn, came less than a week after another former staffer, Lindsay Boylan, expanded on the on accusations. She revealed in December 2020, alleging that Cuomo kissed her on the lips without warning. While copying to remarks that may have crossed the line, Cuomo on Sunday again denied going any further, and I quote, To be clear, 
I never inappropriately touched anybody and I never propositioned anybody and I never intended to make anyone feel uncomfortable. But these are allegations that New Yorkers deserve answers to. But Erica Vladimir, co-founder of the Sexual Harassment Working Group, which is made up of former state legislative staffers, dismissed Cuomo's defense as complete BS. And I quote, It's gaslighting 101, Vladimir told the Post. He's trying to put the onus on the victim. He's clearly trying to take ownership for... He's clearly not trying, he's trying to take ownership for his actions. This is classic Cuomo in a compressed time period. People are finally recognizing what kind of powerful abuser he is. End quote. Cuomo's statement was issued minutes after a special counsel and senior advisor Beth Garvey blinked first in an hours-long back-and-forth with State Attorney General Letitia James over how to investigate the allegations. And I quote, The governor's office wants a thorough, independent review that is above reproach and beyond political interference, said Garvey. Therefore, the governor's office has asked Attorney General Tish James to select a qualified private lawyer to do an independent review of allegations of sexual harassment. James on Sunday morning requested that Cuomo's administration grant her office the sole authority to appoint an independent investigator with subpoena powers. The Cuomo administration, which had initially tapped former federal judge Barbara Jones for the inquiry, a move widely panned because Jones once worked with key Cuomo advisor Steve Cohen, responded, however, with a counteroffer. Garvey said James' office could work in conjunction with top state appeals judge Janet DeFiori, a Cuomo appointee, to agree on an investigator. James fired back that under state law, her office holds the sole authority to appoint an independent investigator. As pressure mounted, Cuomo buckled. And I quote, The independent lawyer will be legally designated as a special independent deputy attorney general and granted all powers provided under Section 63, Part 8 of the Executive Law. Garvey's latest statement continued. As necessary, other lawyers from the appointed lawyer's firm shall be similarly designated to assist in the review. The lawyer shall report publicly their findings. The governor's office will voluntarily cooperate fully. Oh, wow. Voluntary. Yes, this article was published in the New York Post a few days ago, right? And the authors were Carl Campanile, Nolan Hicks, Bernadette Hogan, and Aaron Feist, all in bed, all naked, all covered in sexual greases while doing this article on Cuomo. Probably, right? I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think it's another trauma monkey. 
you know, I think that in terms of the, he used to say the yeoman's work, in terms of the yeoman's work of perpetuating the COVID lie that has destroyed the lives of billions of people, not just millions, but billions of people's lives have been and continue to be destroyed by this major PSYOP and all the others. In terms of the COVID PSYOP, Andrew Cuomo has done exactly what he's supposed to do. So the idea that he's going to be somehow punished in some realistic way is ridiculous. However, could there be a ceremonial punishment coming? Kind of like, you know, Mitt Romney getting punched in the face. Have you seen that picture recently? A ceremonial punch in the eye. A weird black eye. I had an experience a couple years ago working for a local company. I don't want to point out the company. It was a local company, local to Seattle. It's well known. And I had a software development manager who would come up to me from behind and, you know, massage my shoulders and grab my arm. He was very handy. He was very hands-on in the way that's not cool. Like, here's an example. Shaking hands where you walk up to somebody and you lock your eyes and there's that choice to shake hands. That's just something we do in society. But creeping up to somebody in their fucking cubicle and rubbing their shoulders, well, let me just make a long story short. I don't know, but I think the guy was, um, you know, gay or whatever, homosexual. I don't give a fuck, but I'm pretty certain he was. And what I experienced bothered me. I even reported it to my project manager. I said, listen, I don't like the guy coming up to me and touching me. It's not cool. And my project manager said, well, that's just something, it's, it's a known issue. This is what people told me. And you need to understand, I'm a guy talking about something that we're not supposed to talk about because this never happens outside the fucking narrative. But what people told me, and I actually have, you know, electronic evidence of this, is that this is just a known issue with this guy. It's just known that this is something that he does. That's as much as I want to fucking say about this. Is it possible that Andrew Cuomo is innocent? No, I think he probably did all these things. But we're finding out about it because they want you to. Okay? They want you to know. They want you to hear the story. And what's even better for them is if you hear these terrible stories and there is no resolution. Okay? No one of any significance ever goes to jail. No one ever faces any real consequences. Your life could get ruined by a few hundred dollars worth of mistakes, maybe a few thousand. These people make mistakes that involve millions of lives and billions of dollars, and they basically get handed a golden parachute. That is the difference between them and you, okay? You can make little mistakes that have huge consequences. They can make huge fucking evil fucking mistakes and consequences virtually disappear. So no, I don't believe he's going to face any consequences. I do think this is a trauma monkey and frankly kind of a stale one because they've been pushing this trauma monkey for the last few years and people are getting tired. It's not to say that it's good to harass people in the workplace. It's not good. It's not right. But it's not news. 
It really isn't. This is really, you know, CIA, Langley, give me a call. I'm telling you, you guys are running out of good ideas. Your ideas are stupid, and they're getting dumber every day. Dr. fucking Seuss, okay? Corn Pop, Cuomo, sorry for sexually harassing. You guys are really scraping the bottom of the barrel of PSYOPs. When you're telling people to wear two or three masks and shit, you're really in fucking trouble, I'm saying. Next topic, right? And actually, we're done. We're done for today. This is good news, right? Good news, we're done. Good news. Good news, good news. It's Wednesday. It's right around, now it's almost 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, if you can believe it. And we've got kind of a blue sky, kind of a sun out. I might go for a walk, you know. Hopefully I'll find out there someplace my own tiger, my own spirit tiger, right? We're all looking for our spirit tigers out there someplace. Sometimes we go out to the woods. Sometimes we do mountain biking. We found we sometimes we find our spirit tiger when we're hunting wolves in the jungle. Sometimes we find our spirit tiger when we're out late at night looking for women. But you're looking for your spirit tiger. It's hump day. Grab your spirit tiger by the nuts, baby.